Hi Adele, I'm from Australia and I've been working um, at a barn for around 10 years helping with you know project horses and that kind of thing and gaining experience although I haven't been able to um, do as much R plus stuff as I've become really interested in that recently um, because I don't have tons of control over the training method but I have been thinking about recently branching out and potentially purchasing my own horse but with the droughts here in Australia being so intense and driving up prices for livestock and everything around their care I've been very concerned about the potential uh, well-being of a horse if I was to purchase it to work in that way um, and I was wondering if you had any advice for that type of situation with helping a horse uh, if the drought continues and prices keep getting higher and I don't have um, potentially the means how I can best help a horse in that situation. Hey everyone, welcome to the Willing Equine Podcast. I really hope you enjoy listening to my thoughts and <laughs> things I have to share with you. I'll be recording this podcast in my car while I'm driving, so the audio may not be super clear. And sometimes I have my kids with me, so I try and keep them quiet. But if you hear a little bit here and there, I apologize about that. But hopefully you can still enjoy the podcast and let me know what you think. And feel free to send me voice messages through Anchor or to send me messages messages through other forms of social media. This is a tough question because on one hand, I'm a passionate believer that there are a lot of people who um, probably shouldn't own horses. And before you get in defense about that or anybody else gets upset about that, what I mean is that they are not either financially or maybe even like from an education basis, a lot of people, they, or I actually know this from an education basis, they like the idea of owning a horse. They, um, say they love horses, but I think they like the idea of horses and not the actual, you know, the walking it out, the taking care of the horse. Um, I all the time will have, uh, or not even all the time. I've had quite a few situations where, you know, clients will come to me, they've gotten this horse and it ends up being, you know, a train, there's training stuff or there's physical stuff, or it's just getting expensive. The horse is having physical struggles, um, needing a lot of medical attention or, you know, and, and sometimes it's really basic as far as, man, I didn't realize how much horses cost in food. Like they don't even want to pay for good quality hay uh, and they just want to have the cheap hay and then their horse is struggling with the cheap hay and the hay that is not designed for horses and then wonder why the horse is struggling medically and, you know, the the process goes on and on. And my response to that is really always like, welcome to the horse world. I mean, horses are expensive. <laughs> they just are. They're thousand pound animals. And especially if you're in an area where there's lots of droughts, like in, I live in Texas and right now we're not currently in a hay crisis, but we have had years where uh, hay has gotten really expensive and we've had to start going outside of the state and to get hay and it's just been a problem trying to find good quality hay or even hay period so I sympathize um, and I completely understand how this would be a basis for concern and I think that this is an excellent question to be asking yourself every horse owner should be asking themselves this or potential horse owner I should say if you're looking into getting a horse can you financially afford a horse? And there needs to be a big buffer there. If you're 
just barely going to be able to afford their board from month to month, then you can't afford a horse. If you're just barely going to be able to afford some basic medical care as far as like vaccines and getting their dental floats and all that, but you know that above that it's going to be a stretch, you probably can't afford a horse because the reality is that horses get hurt. They need medical attention. A lot of horses, especially, um, well, even I'd say I've had young horses too, almost every horse goes through a point in their life where there are extenuating circumstances or a medical condition that arises that it's more than normal. Most horses don't live their entire life without a severe medical bill. Um, they, you know, they'll colic, they'll injure a foot, they'll start abscessing like crazy, they will um, break something, twist a hawk, I don't know just name it. I mean, get caught up in barbed wire. I mean, there's so many possibilities and those are just like the basics. I've seen some really crazy stuff. I've had horses. Um, I had one mare where she actually literally, literally ran head first into a fence post and impaled her head from, uh, the sinus cavity up into the brain cavity, but she was still standing and still alive, but her, the front of her head was open and completely blown apart, basically, um, which resulted in us going from our large animal clinic that's here in Texas that's um, for, that's the school, it's the Texas A&M, anyways, uh, veterinary school. We started off there, but they didn't have CAT scans. She needed CAT scans, so this happened to be during, I think it was Hurricane Katrina, which for those of you that don't know, was a devastating hurricane and impacted a lot of the states that were in our area. So um, we were supposed to go to a local state where they had, the, it was the nearest CAT scan, but they were just absolutely um, just underwater, <laughs> pun intended, with horses from evacuations and so they couldn't take us in so we had to travel to the next state so I think it was like 14 or 16 hours straight with this horse her head is wide open um, to get a CAT scan and then from there they had to reconstruct her entire forehead and um, and check and make sure that there was no brain tissue that had been caught up in the injury because it had fractured the brain cavity, but it hadn't actually um, made contact with the actual brain, and that's what we needed to know from the CAT scan. Anyway, that's just one of many, many weird, crazy, stupid, expensive situations that horses have uh, that I've experienced with horses, and good news is is that mare is doing amazingly well she has a small indentation in her head now and she actually used to have a white star and that white star is gone um, so it's now solid brown across the top which is crazy uh, but she's actually competing at a fairly I mean she's competing state and in hunter jumpers and she's doing fantastic in adult amateurs um, so she's she's doing amazing and it was crazy that she was even standing let alone jumping and competing again but and with a different owner not with myself but this was from a while ago anyway all that's to say is that I discourage people from purchasing horses if they're just at the limit of being able to care for the horse that being said though there are ways to buffer this and make this easier and better because I do understand that, you know, I don't know, we could get into a whole ethical 
dis you know discussion as far as like well would it be better for this horse to sit at the shelter where there's no money or come to, you know live with me where I have enough to at least take care of him properly but if in a you know big circumstance happened you know we might be at risk of having to put the horse down or whatever so absolutely those are questions that come up and I'm not saying that you can't own a horse if you're going to be a little bit stretched to take care of the horse but I want you to consider that you're going to have to prepare for those so you could create like a rainy day fund so start saving just a little bit every month for the circumstances that show up like a hay shortage shortage <laughs> where it's going to become more expensive to feed your horse if you started preparing um, months and years before you bought a horse and then while you had your horse you put away a certain amount every month to prepare for those times where something like that is going to happen that would be a really uh, a quick way a simple way to start preparing for that you could also in theory if you had enough place to store stuff if you knew a possible drought was coming maybe you guys were going into summer I don't know something like that in that particular circumstance you could even start storing um, bagged I know I don't know about where you live but here we have packaged and bagged um, hay where it can be stored for longer periods so that's a possibility where you might actually start storing it ahead of time um, things like hay pellets and cubed hay can be a good replacement for actual bales of hay so there's things you can do to start preparing ahead of time if you know something's coming but obviously there are a lot of situations where you don't know it's coming so that's when the bank account that nobody touches is a really good idea to start repairing. I also think that insurance for horse owners is very much underutilized. And even for myself, I actually don't have insurance on my horses, but I've been, I'm actually in the works of figuring this out for all of mine. And it's surprisingly inexpensive. It's actually not that much. It would be less expensive to go with an insurance every month for your horses for major medical um, loss of use. There's other, there's different types of insurances that you can sign up for. Uh, it would be less expensive to do that than to probably save enough every month for a circumstance where it would cost thousands and thousands of dollars to take care of your horse. So in my experience in the past, because I have had insurance on horses before in the past, um, and they were on very expensive performance horses and kind of I grew up with the idea that only the really pricey expensive horses should have the insurance the ones that were imported or big show horses um, but the more I look into it I actually want it for even you know my Philly River I, I literally bought her for a couple hundred dollars and um, the insurance would have saved me so much money on her surgeries that she had on her legs. Uh, when I had to have, she had three different surgeries on her knees to help straighten them back out. And it cost me thousands and thousands of dollars, like way more. <laughs> Just anyway, my husband was like, didn't we only pay, you know, X, Y, Z for this horse? And I'm like, yep, but she's my baby. So if you're willing and you want to be able to pay for surgeries and you know those major medical and all of that and you know that that horse's value as much as maybe they didn't cost you a whole lot to buy them to begin with but in your heart and how you know what's your emotional like <laughs> is the value there that you would put every last penny into saving that horse and if that's the case like for many of us horse people 
insurance is a great idea and it's really not that expensive and my experiences with them in the past have been that they are I don't know at least the company that I worked with it was super easy and way easier than human insurance I think that human insurance should actually work like the equine insurance um and it was amazing so that is absolutely an option but you know again wrapping back around to preparing for that and knowing that you barely can afford a horse there are other options available as far as you could foster a horse for a rescue where they will they usually rescues or some rescues will give you a small stipend every month to help care for the horse it's usually not much but it's enough to kind of buffer it a little bit and you can take care of this horse and get that experience and, and invest time and effort and energy into rehabbing a horse that may eventually go off to be adopted but then you start with another one and you can really use your your passion and your invest you know how invested you are into this horse's well-being to help a horse while also not being alone in the care of the horse and then the other option you could consider is free leasing or partial leasing so I've seen this happen quite a few times where um, I've actually seen with friends of mine where they had you know quite a few horses maybe like four or five or six horses and they're struggling financially so they will instead of selling one of the horses they will see if they can find a home a free lease home where um, somebody will assume basically quote-unquote ownership of the horse as far as they will be the primary caregiver they'll train the horse work with the horse provide any current medical needs um They'll just basically overall take care of the horse. But if something were to happen, that original owner still technically has the papers on the horse, still technically owns the horse, and can take back the horse at any time if something were to happen. Um, Maybe the horse wasn't being cared for properly and so on. Or maybe for the leaser, they hit hard times and they can't afford the horse anymore. So then they can be like, hey, you know, I, I love having your horse and all of this, but I really can't take care of her like I wanted to. Um, so I need to terminate my lease. So it's kind of like this fallback as far as this, there's a safety net that if something goes wrong, something goes sideways, I can, you can give the horse back to the owner. Now, also there's partial leases where you guys can, you can lease with another owner. And sometimes these work out where the original owner really isn't that involved. Um, maybe they come out a couple times a month, you know, on the weekends, or maybe they're gone for long periods during the year and they just want somebody to be there to help take care of their horse and uh, when they're not there and so that they can enjoy um, freedom, I guess, from all the responsibility, or maybe they're looking for financial support as well. Maybe they can't fully take care of the horse by themselves. So having somebody else help is really beneficial for that horse. So then the two of you guys together can financially take care of this horse in the way that the horse deserves. So there are options out there. That's kind of my point of all of this is that I would rather somebody not take full ownership of a horse Um, if they complete, like it's without a doubt that they barely can pay the bills and they can like, they're, they're penny pinching like, yes, I can afford a horse. Like that's a really tough place to be in because there's always other expenses (laughs) always. Um, and, but again, like I recognize that if I were to say that any person that owned horses needed to have like 
be rolling in dough basically that nobody could ever own a horse and then that would mean a bunch of horse lovers couldn't enjoy their passion and then also have a lot of horses that needed at least halfway decent homes or homes that could provide basic needs would go uncared for so I'm not saying that I'm just encouraging people to really consider their um, their ability to care for the animal and you know again it's much as I was putting this on that circumstances might happen to the horse or there might be a hay shortage or something, things happen to us as well. You know, maybe we're working two jobs to be able to afford this horse and we get injured and we can't work. What then? So this is when, again, having those fallback, having a savings account where, you know, a rainy day account where something happens and you have like three months of board built up, um, that would be an excellent place to start. Actually, I'm taking that from a financial advisor that I listened to where he talks about that you should have, a, in the beginning, your first goal should be to have three months of expenses stored away in a rating day account. So that means your your mortgage, your um, electric bills, your basic eating needs, so from the grocery store, um, just basic needs, you should have three months of that stored away in case something were to happen. And then you go to six months and then you go to nine months. And those are these goals that you have. And so for horses, I think we could do this exact same thing with our horses where we start off with, I need to have three months of expenses stored up. And that could be a goal. And maybe we have that goal prior to before we own the horse before we take on the ownership of the horse is that we can have that rainy day account the three months of expenses built up so that when we do take on the responsibility of the horse we continue forward with taking care of that horse every month but we already have that three months set up and then we continue to add to it but maybe it'll be a little bit less at this point maybe it'll be um you know let's say that you stored away um I don't know, it depends on where you live and what type of circumstances you're living in and your horse will be living in that will dictate what three months of expenses would look like. You really need to do your research. So if it was, you know, if you're living in a really expensive, like in my city, if you were in a full boarding, um, you know, you might be looking at, with, with other care provided, um, you might be looking at a basic needs being met might be like 800 to a thousand dollars a month so three months let's for easy math that's three thousand dollars that need to be stored up so before you buy a horse you have three thousand dollars stored up for rainy day but you know you can make that thousand dollars each month going forward maybe a thousand dollars plus a little extra so going forward you have the horse and um you have your thousand dollars that you pay every month to take care of this horse And then you have that little bit extra. Let's say it's $200 extra or $300 extra. Or maybe you had a month where there wasn't a vet bill this month or whatever. And there's that extra. Um, Put that into the rainy day. And before you know it, you'll have six months built up. But it may take a little bit longer just because you're now paying for the horse. Anyway, you get the point, hopefully. Um, So, yeah, I think that there's a fine line as far as things are going to happen. Um, and you can't necessarily prepare for everything. You know, a $10,000 vet bill is going to be hard to prepare for. That's when the insurance really comes in. But you could theoretically have enough saved up for that. Um, but before going into ownership of the horse, just make sure that you have a small buffer, that you're not penny pinching every little bit, <laughs> and that any of that buffer goes into a rainy day's account. And 
Or if that's not a possibility, look into leasing or fostering or, um, or I don't know, something. You could work out something with another owner. A lot of owners would love some help taking care of their horses. I think you just have to start looking and start asking people. And I think you'll be surprised at how many options are available. And then again, kind of like I mentioned, you could start storing feed. Um, So you could actually, instead of storing the actual money, you could store the feed if you have a place to store it. Let's say you have a big garage um, and you feel like the feed expenses are going to go up. You could use part of your garage to feed, to store feed. Um, That, you know, you have to be careful because mice might get into it, might be flooding. I don't know. Something might happen to it and then all your savings are gone. So I'm much more likely to put it into a bank account and then pay for it. But if I'm preparing for like the hay pricing to go up double or triple and I have a hay storage uh, barn, I'm going to fill that barn to its maximum and more probably. I'll probably get like a, I might even do like a, get a container, I don't know, something or, or put tarps over it and get extra hay. So if you have that awareness or a preparate, a time to prepare for it, um, then go ahead, then absolutely go ahead and prepare ahead of time and save yourself some money. But you know, there's only so much you can do. I just definitely just recommend just take thinking about it doing your research on how much it's actually going to cost in your area to take care of your horse because every area is different I can't tell you how much that's going to cost I can't tell you that it costs this much per month to take care of a horse because I've seen you know in out in the very um country areas where it's just a small town and everybody keeps their horses out in the pasture and there's not really any boarding um and most all the horses just eat hay you know besides the hay and some hoof trims and periodic vet visits keeping horses is pretty inexpensive there versus closer to the city or in in cities that or in states that have low um amounts of land so there's not just like roaming hills of land available and the taxes on the property really expensive and all that it's going to cost a whole lot more to take care of a horse so you might be looking at $300 a month you might be looking at $1,000 a month it really just depends so you need to do your research call your local vets ask them how much vaccines are ask them how much the the um exam costs are bringing a horse um, or them coming out to you for a colic call like what does that run you should plan on at least one vet call per I don't know maybe two or three per year um, at minimum so plan on those emergency calls like ask how much that's going to cost call a trimmer that you're interested in using and ask her ask her or him how much it costs um figure out how much it's going to cost to either borrow and a trailer and a truck and fuel up the gas and all of that and to rent it or how much it's going to cost you to buy your own because most it's going to be definitely the better choice to have access to your own if possible um and let's see what else uh call your feed stores figure out how much it runs you know on average per bag of food um how much the hay costs it's going to cost a lot less to get it in bulk from straight from the farmer versus from through a feed supplier um figure out how much grooming supplies are going to cost there's fly spray that has to be replaced fairly often um you're going to need supplements of some kind probably some horses don't need much but at least minerals things like that 
Let's see what else. Um, ointment for, you know, cuts and bruises. That's Those are going to happen, and that will need to be replaced. Um, yeah, there's, the list can, keeps going on. I uh, Bandages, you know, you're going to need to bandage stuff. Um, how much is it going to cost for tack? You'll need to buy tack. You'll need to replace it. Helmets for you. Um, you uh, I don't know if you wear gloves, um, treat pouches, how much is it going to cost to get hay pellets for training? And you got to figure all this stuff out and so that you even know if there's going to be a buffer or, or if you're going to be able to save money and so on. So that's where I recommend starting. And hopefully this was a, um, an answer to your question and helps you out some. Um, I think you just got to do the best you can and prepare the best you can and, just realize that um, you're going to be helping this horse if you can properly care for it, of course, and that you should prepare for rainy days and medical emergencies to a certain extent, but there are probably going to be some things that show up. And when these things show up, you, I guess maybe I should talk about what happens when, before I end this podcast. If those things show up and you cannot afford them, and absolutely cannot afford them. I've seen people do like GoFundMe things. I'm on the edge about that. It kind of depends on what it's for and why it's for, whatever. There are also companies that will do temporary loans, so cash advances, things like that. So you might be able to do that. You might be able to ask your company that you work for. Um, to give you an advance on your your paychecks you a lot of vet clinics will do payment plans um, so that's a possibility there's also I I think a a credit card company it's it's not a it's like a man I can't remember the name of it but some vet companies use this where it's basically like you put the vet charges it's specifically for medical needs, I think for animals specifically, but it might be for people too, um, on this credit card and then you pay it off and it has certain, anyway, so that's a possibility. Um, having a credit card that's even not just for medical stuff, but you know, maybe you can create one or sign up for one specific credit card that's for emergencies that has, you know, a certain limit on it that you then can pay off in payment plans after that. Um, you can try borrowing from friends and family. I just caution against that because if you don't know how long it'll take you to pay back, you know, it could create some tension between friends and family. So do the best you can to avoid that when possible. Um, and you could possibly, I don't know, take up a weekend job for a little while. Um, you could... I don't know. You just have to get creative. You have to start just looking for stuff on how to help you. Could maybe even the barn that your horse is at. Maybe you could do exchange of labor for uh, discounted boarding. There are things you can do there as far as maybe they need somebody to help muck the stalls or feed on the weekends. You could exchange that for a discount on your boarding um, or to buffer a couple months of board that you're late on or, I don't know, if something showed up. Um... Yeah, I don't know. It's just about getting creative and seeing what's available to you. 
but really I think the planning ahead is going to be your best option and then if something you know if you get to the point where you have three months of expenses built up and saved and uh, they're just sitting there and they're not being touched that's the key you can't touch them unless it's an, a severe situation and even I would argue that maybe you should try some of those other things, not not the crowdfunding and borrowing from friends and family. Don't do that if you have the money and savings. Um, but you might try, you know, exchange of labor for discounted boarding. You might try taking a weekend job, something like that, to buffer any expenses before taking out of your rainy day account. But um, if you've, you know, used up your entire rainy day account and this is then when these extra things might come in. But you think about if you're prepared for it ahead of time, what it would take for something like that to happen. And it's very unlikely to happen or we should say it's less likely to happen if you've, you know, built up that much in um expenses in your savings and then even and then on top of that if you had insurance too like you'd be set you'd be really set because even if a major medical thing happened you have your you know there's that amount that you have to pay up front before they step in um, but then that could come out of your rainy day thing or anything else any other way and then you they would cover they would cover the rest of it so you'd be really safe um so i think that if you can prepare ahead of time you can really avoid a lot of possible terrible situations where you might be at risk of having to rehome the horse or um all of that but just like i mentioned with other people that hit hard times with their horses or maybe just need help you ha will have that option as well you could consider free leasing your horse out or partial leasing that's probably where i would go to first to get some help with those expenses so there are options there are absolutely options out there you just have to be proactive and plan and prepare for them Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to find out more about The Willing Equine, head to my website, www.thewillingequine.com. On there I have blogs and um, a very extensive FAQ. I also have other social media through there. So I've got YouTube and Instagram and everything else you could possibly think of. Also, I'd love to hear from you. So feel free to send me a message or an email and I hope to hear from you soon.